Today, we're going to catch you up on what you need to know when it comes to estate planning and the possible ways that you could get this done. Doing it yourself, reaching out to your financial advisor, or hiring an estate planning attorney. We're going to make sure we factor in price in all of this, too. So, how much of an investment should this be? This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union, the Advantage Visa Signature Card, 2% cash back or rewards. Lisa Powers, elder law attorney at Harris Beach. Thank you. We Thanks. missed you. Oh, it's been a whole so- month. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I missed you too, Sandy. If this is your first time listening in on an episode with Lisa Powers, Lisa's here with us every month because there is a lot to know when it comes to, you know, preparing ourselves for when we get older, taking care of our parents as they age. So instead of just unleashing the fire hose of knowledge, we break it up into chunks. Each episode has a theme. Right. You've been practicing law for how long? Hmm. Over 20 years. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) I don't want to age myself, but (laughs) yes. Feels like yesterday. 22 years this year. Be proud of that. Yes. This is years of wisdom right now. Oh, I'm proud. It just doesn't seem possible. I know. (laughs) All right. So now today we're going to talk about estate planning and, you know, the difference between estate planning with a financial planner, estate planning with an attorney. I don't want anyone to think. Oh, because she's a lawyer, she's going to tell us, hey, you have to go to a lawyer. No, this was the idea you and I were talking and and we realized there's a lot of confusion because you hear that financial advisors do estate planning. You hear attorneys do estate planning. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But it really is a complementary effort. Okay. We each have our own expertise and to get the most bang for your buck, which I know is a huge thing for you, Sandy. You really should be working with both. Okay. So now, now, certainly you can still, I know we're going to talk about DIY. Yeah. I know we're going to talk about that. Um, but I just wanted to try and bring up the distinctions because there is a lot of confusion around it. Yeah. And you said a lot of your clients, especially lately, have been coming in thinking they were more prepared than what they really are. It's confusing because, you know, when you're working with a financial, I'll call them financial advisors because you can have a financial, well, I'll just start with that briefly. You know, you can have a financial advisor who's really an expert in insurance, so life insurance, long-term care insurance. You can have a certified financial planner who really is holistic and looks at everything. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. can have, it's not as common these days, but you can have someone who's much more of an investment professional and doesn't so much focus on the insurance Mm -hmm. pieces, right? So depending on how they've trained and where they've specialized, there are so many different pieces to the puzzle that they can advise you on. They're looking at your finances. I look at it as the financial planners can really help you with wealth accumulation. Sitting down with you, coming up with short-term goals, long-term goals, and helping you figure out how to actually make your money go further, how to accomplish savings goals, how to, depending where you are, set up income for retirement, Those are all things you do with the financial professionals. So that's when you're talking about the estate plan. It's really wealth planning. Yeah. Okay. Whereas when you talk about an estate plan in its simplest form, that's when you sit down and you make a decision and you make a plan as to what's going to happen with your things, with your wealth when you pass away. 
Now, yeah. That's just a small piece of it, but that's what most people are thinking about. Okay, let's so. let's go into that a little bit further. There are people who are listening right now that's that that will say, "Well, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of things." Or there's people who would say, "I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse." Yeah. Who is estate planning for? Everyone. Okay. Everyone. Even if you don't think you have anything, you do. And a true estate plan is much more about is is about much more than just what happens to your stuff and your money when you die, right? So good estate planning. Um, I've got a whole list of things that are included for you. You always come a in with a list. Slow. I do. I do. I love lists. Um, it's good. You know, so this doesn't always come up, and this is something that I think is important. If you're talking to a good estate planning or elder law attorney, they're going to have a conversation with you about passing on values. It's not just about the stuff or the you know the tangible things and the money. There's you really can include your values in your planning, right? Do you want money to be used for specific purposes? Do you are you philanthropic? Do you want to include charities? Do you want to get your family involved with the charities that matter to you? You have lots mm. of options for that. And people aren't always thinking about it. You know, it? and you can do it in small ways or big ways, right? You know, some people will say, I'm giving my grandchildren a gift. And it's my hope that they'll use a portion of this to make a contribution to my favorite charity or their favorite charity. It's a way to start thinking about that and giving back, oh. right? So that's an easy option. When you talk about Estate planning, and you and I have talked about this before, you want to make a plan for what happens if you become disabled. These days, that's taking up much more of the planning universe than just about what happens when you die, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Advanced directives, healthcare proxy, power of attorney, who can make decisions on your behalf? Who do you trust to keep things going if you can't do it yourself anymore? What if you have minor kids? Um, If you leave money to a minor, they're going to have to go through some form of guardianship proceeding in a court. Do you want, you know, whoever's left to be burdened dealing with that guardianship piece? Who do you want involved? Who do you want to manage that inheritance that would go to kids or grandchildren, right? Um, We've talked about special needs before. You want to protect loved ones if they have special needs so they don't lose government benefits inadvertently. If you just leave money outright to someone who's getting SSI or Medicaid, you could knock them off the benefits they need to survive, right? The, the rules around government benefits are really strict. So these are all things that you do with an attorney. And that's not to say that financial planners aren't aware of them and can't talk about them and can't be super educated, but they're not the ones who can draft the documents that are needed okay. to do it. Because if someone who's not an attorney prepares wills or tries to draft a trust, it's actually called the unauthorized practice of law, meaning that's illegal. So that's why we have to go get educated, get licensed. Yeah. We have continuing education requirements that are pretty strict. So can we do this? Can we sure. say, okay, let's go through the levels. Estate yeah. planning, there are some people who are DIYers, who yeah. don't have a lawyer, who don't yeah. have a financial advisor. They are, they feel competent enough to take care mm-hmm. of their own finances, or they might feel like, I don't have enough to even need sure. an advisor. Sure. Can they get far with the estate planning process on their own? Is there a DIY way to do it? And what are the limitations? Sure. Of course, of course you can, right? Google is everyone's expert these days. There are, you can certainly look up forms online, right? And I, and I said before, everyone needs an advanced directive, healthcare proxy, power of attorney, 
Um, yes, you can use one of these programs to mm-hmm. create a will even. The problem is you don't know if it's actually been done properly and you don't know if it will work as needed. So I'll just to give you a quick example, someone came into my office just yesterday with a healthcare proxy. Okay. They had clearly made the effort to name an individual they trusted to be able to make medical decisions on their behalf if needed. And they had taken the time to actually spell out in pretty clear language some treatments that they did not want because they've They've endured some things in the past. And they said, if it comes, I don't want to go through that again. Okay. Right? So pretty detailed. But on a healthcare proxy, you have to have two witnesses in New York State. You can't have someone who's named to be your agent also be a witness. The person who was named to make the medical decisions was a witness on the document. So that was a little detail they, that was, right. they didn't realize. And they DIY'd it. Right. They did, okay. So they made a good effort, right? Great effort. You identified the person, you gave very that, clear ah. instructions, but it's not effective. So that's the kind of thing you can get yourself in trouble. So right? now what would happen if, God forbid, something does happen? Now this healthcare proxy, it didn't follow exactly what it needs to do. What would happen? Right. So it's it's a question as to whether in the moment when you need to present it, would it be honored, right? Because it's not valid. And who would, decides that, though? Will it be The honored? medical providers you're, you're handing it to in the moment. Oh. So depending on how strict they are at that place, be it a hospital, a nursing home, wherever it might be, are they going to honor it? And I can't answer that. Ah, okay. So it's something like that. So yes, you absolutely can go out and download things and make your best effort. There's just no guarantee. Whereas if you're using an attorney to do it, that's why we carry malpractice insurance. (laughs) You know, if someone else does it, you don't have any recourse. Right. Okay. Um, so that's what you so got to be careful of. That's watch what you have for. to be careful of. And then the other piece that I'll say, and again, yes, certainly people can do that, but you need to be very careful these days. And we've had this conversation before, uh, regardless of your age, if you have retirement accounts, um, if you've purchased life insurance, you need to name beneficiaries mm-hmm. and you can inadvertently cause problems for your loved ones if you name beneficiaries incorrectly or neglect to name beneficiaries. If you, here's another example, life insurance typically passes to whoever has been named to receive it, right? If someone passes away, runs up all kinds of debt, now their estate has all of this debt in it. You know, maybe they went crazy with credit cards. I know that never happens, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Um, So they pass away and there really aren't any assets in the estate. Maybe there was, you know, a small bank account or something. More debt than assets, but they didn't name a beneficiary on their life insurance policy and it falls into their estate by default because they don't have kids, guess what? Now that life insurance money can be used to pay creditors, whereas if they had named, say, their best friend to get the policy, wouldn't be subject to the creditors. So it's that kind of thing that you can inadvertently hurt the people that you want to provide for. Okay. Right. And we do want to help you find, I mean, we're going to lay out all the facts today, or sure. you are, I'm not, so it's not a we, it's you. Um, it's we. <laughs> it's a team effort. <laughs> but we want to make this the cost-effective way of putting together your estate plan, but yet right. still giving you the peace of mind that everything, right. all the I's are you know dotted, right. all the T's are crossed. So that you actually bring up a really good point. Every planning firm, and I'm talking about the financial advisors now, they have their own way of charging for helping you mm-hmm. with managing your investments, managing retirement accounts, dealing with life insurance and all of those things. Law firms have their own way of pricing too. So I can't give you specific prices, but what I will say is if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. 
if you're paying, for example, you know, we're in upstate New York. If you're paying less than $1,000 for a plan, run. Oh, because okay. chances are someone is just filling in names on forms. They're not going to advise you about all of these other things that I've been talking about with, okay. you know, taking care of minors. Are you going to be setting up trusts? They're not going to be taking the time to make sure that you're coordinating the beneficiary designations appropriately. They may not even be asking you what you have in the way of assets. You know, okay. I've had people say to me, we typically start our process by sending out a pretty detailed questionnaire and they'll come back and they'll say, well, I'm not looking for you to manage my investments. They say, it has nothing to do with that. I would never presume to tell you what you should be investing in. Oh, that would be scary, right? <laughs> um, but what we're looking to do is make sure that we know where is everything, how is it titled, and once we you know, design that estate plan, we need to go back and make sure your beneficiary designations are coordinated with it. If you set up a trust for your kids, we don't want to name the kids individually. We want to name the trust for the kids as the mm. beneficiary of that account. And if we don't know where all the accounts are, we might miss something. And there you're looking at, you know, court costs, right? So just as an example, if if something is messed up, you can assume that it will be triple the expense minimum to deal with it after you're gone in court versus taking care of it in life. So, yes, it's an investment, but typically the investment is made one time and then you're just making tweaks over time to it. Now, with a financial planner, financial advisor. And I yep. want to I want to reiterate this. And we've said it before on the podcast, but I want to make sure that you guys are aligning yourself with the right person. You have to go in, and I know it sounds weird, but you have to go in and somehow ask, are you adhering to the fiduciary standards? Yeah. Are you working for me? Right. Or are you being compensated through a third party? Right. And you ha- it sounds weird. It feels uncomfortable to throw out the word right. fiduciary. <laughs> You have to make sure, and a lot of people don't realize it, because what you said in the very beginning, there are a lot of different types of financial advisors out there. There are. There are. Absolutely. So So. let's say we know we're working with Mm -hmm. someone who cares about us and is working for our best interest. Right. Um, What are their limitations? How far can we get with the estate planning through an advisor? So what I look at is they're a great person to talk about options with, right? You know, um, some of my favorite advisors, if they're sending clients my way to get the plan in place, they've already talked to their clients about the benefits of having a trust for children or an ongoing trust for a surviving spouse who maybe is starting to decline a little bit and might not, by the time one person passes, be in a good position to manage what's left to them, right? You want to take care of them, but you also want to make sure that uh, no one takes advantage of them or is able to influence them improperly in those later years. Or you just have someone maybe who's young and a bit of a spendthrift, right? You know, we all learn as we get older. I I certainly was someone who, you know, (laughs) no, I mean, I don't don't know how it was for you because you're a few years younger than I am, Sandy, but I remember getting to college and they literally had tables set up on the quad. Here, you want a credit card? Of course I want a credit card. I have still the sweater (laughs) that they gave me for signing up you got a sweater? I think I, I got a plastic mug. Oh, no. It you know, was, like, a, oh, wow. It, you remember those sweaters back in the 90s where it was like the big wool sweaters? Yes. I mean, it was nice. How I funny. still have it. So super warm. Well, you so are a saver. <laughs> but I did. It's like just for signing up for a Discover card. That's hysterical. Not allowed anymore, by the way. Yeah. But um, yeah. Okay. So I'm right there with you. So, sure. so maybe you've got someone who 
you don't know where they're going to be at the time that they might inherit. So you're just trying to protect them till they're a little bit older, right? So the financial advisors can certainly be educated and talk about that, but they're very often prohibited from being able to give tax advice, right? They're not supposed mm-hmm. to do certain things. They have very strict compliance rules. So they can talk to you about it. So you already have an idea by the time you meet with your estate planning attorney or your elder law attorney that they know they like the idea of a trust. And then the attorney is the one who kind of fleshes that out, asks some more detailed questions, and then designs it for them. And then we go back to the financial advisor once it's done to say, okay, can you help us get the beneficiary designations in place? So it really is a team effort. We kind of go back and forth. They don't have the authority to actually put together the documents that you need to sign. Right. So we each kind of have our area of expertise. Just like I, over the years, have educated myself, you know, to a decent amount about, for example, benefits of life insurance and benefits of long-term care insurance. But I don't sell it. You know, Mm. I'm not licensed to do that. You need someone who's licensed and an expert in those products to be able to put them in your plan for you. Uh, I will say, and this is something I, I kind of made a note to myself to point out, I know that there are a lot of people out there who love their drips. I know you have your financial advisor who comes in and talks. You love those direct registration investment plans, right? Because it doesn't cost you anything. And you set it up that oh, when the dividends are earned, just reinvest and buy me another little piece of stock, right? That's great. They are a complete nightmare when someone passes away or if someone becomes incapacitated to deal with. Because for every individual stock that you own in one of those drips, we have to do a separate set of paperwork for the transfer agent to get them transferred either if someone's passed away into the estate. And then once it's in the estate, you can sell it. So it just adds delay and it adds cost. Whereas if you're working with a professional or you have them inside a brokerage account, Mm -hmm. it's one set of paperwork. And certainly if you've got a professional involved, there's a team, you've got this operations team that you make a call and they help with the paperwork. So it's something that, you know, people are trying to save money now. But if you're thinking about saving money for your family in the long run, it's going to save on those costs after you've passed away by consolidating and having another professional involved. So just something to keep in mind. Okay. What else should we be aware of? So I think the key there, Sandy, is really that... You know, if you're trying to do the DIY thing, you might you might not have some of the conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you're just working with a generalist. I've certainly seen people come in who really didn't understand what their documents did. They went to someone, they paid a couple hundred bucks, they they know they have a power of attorney. Well, lo and behold, the person that they named, their oldest son, and I'm not picking on men here, <laughs> but you know, we of course we're, we're Italian. We named our oldest son. And, and disclaimer here, right? My married name is Powers. My maiden name is Orlando. So I'm not bashing Italians, but right? Traditional Italian values, you name your oldest son to manage everything, right? That's how you do it. Well, if your oldest son is a mess with money, he probably shouldn't be managing yours. And if he lives clear across the country and has a job that keeps him working 16, 18 hours a day and a family he might not be in the best position to swoop in if there's an emergency. So let's have a few, let's have a longer conversation about who really should be stepping into that role, right? If you name someone to be your agent on the healthcare proxy who bursts into tears every time you bring up the topic of if I'm ever really sick and just is in complete denial and says, that's never going to happen. I can't yeah. even think about it. 
they're probably not someone who's going to be strong enough to fulfill your wishes if you say you don't want certain treatments. You guys have seen it all. I mean, you have seen every example out there. So you, you're right. You probably could have the best conversations with people. Right. Okay. We want to help make sure the right people are in place. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Now let's, you know, you come in every month and I don't think I've ever asked you what your smart money strategy is because we always end the episode that way. Sure. And I have yet to ask you that. So something in your personal life, how you personally run your family budget, you know, it's a rule you followed. So I would say invest in yourself first. And that shows up in a couple of different ways. So from the get go, when you start working, even if you don't think you can afford it, automatic, if you can immediately start contributing to an employer plan, 401k, 403b, whatever is being offered soon as you're eligible, just automatically set something up more than you think you can afford. And then you can always ratchet it back. But also think about that when it comes to, you know, educational opportunities or, and I know I'm not saying this because of our topic today, or when it comes to your family, getting the right planning in place, right? I've had people come in and talk to me about having spent, you know, oh, we just spent $15,000 to do this dream trip with our kids to Mexico. And then I tell them that there's going to be a little bit of an investment to make sure that their business that they own and the investments that they've set aside and their rental property are all protected to go to the kids. And we set up these trusts and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't want it. We don't really think we should do that. We heard we can get it all done for about a thousand bucks. Invest in the things that are going to have a payoff. It's called ROI, right? Return on investment. And you might not see it in the immediate future, but if you take it out to the extreme, the cost that's involved if you don't get it right is not only an emotional burden, but it can run, you know, multiple, like five figures easily in court costs, litigation, you name it, if it's not done right. And you said personally, you have invested in yourself where it wasn't an immediate return right. of investment, but you know that in the future, it just positions you. Absolutely. There there have been courses that I've taken that in the moment, I know I can, I can visualize like, sitting with my husband saying, <laughs> wait, why are you doing this? And you have to travel to Arizona to attend this conference and I'm got to run everybody around to sports and, you know, feed the dogs and do the dishes. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm going to a resort in Arizona for three days because I'm taking this course. Um, You know, but then I've been able to translate the skills I learned and the connections I made. Yeah. You know, two years later, I end up getting a referral from someone I met at the conference that ends up, you know, being one of my favorite clients who I've now had for close to 10 years. Things like that. Invest in yourself. Invest in those retirement funds. You know, next would be investing those 529 accounts for the kids, whatever you can do, because when you don't see it, you don't think about it. It's not a sacrifice. And then you get the benefit over time as it builds up. That is true. That so. is true. Lisa Powers, elder law attorney at Harris Beach. If you want to reach out to Lisa, best way to do so? Phone number. That'll get you right through. Uh, my direct is 585-419-8869. You can go to our website, www.harrisbeach com, And otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to find me, Lisa awesome. M. Powers. Thanks so much, Sandy. We will talk to you next month. Next week on the Seven Figures podcast, another one of our favorite guests to have on the show, CFP Erica Cummings, will be with us. 
She has named this the year of 2020 vision when it comes to your finances. So she will join us next Friday. In the meantime, you have a fantastic weekend and we raise a glass and say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union, the Advantage Visa Signature Card, 2% cash back or rewards.